Welcome to The Drift, your resource on all things business strategy, entrepreneurship, and leadership. I'm your host, Aloiza, and today's guest is CJ Kelly, co-founder and CCO of Flexia Pilates. The brand bringing the boutique Pilates studio experience to your living room with a connected smart reformer and online studio. CJ is also a certified Pilates instructor and a marketing and business development executive with a background in leveraging technology and e-commerce to create sustainable businesses and strong communities. Her focus now is connecting all facets of the customer experience to help businesses and clients thrive together. Welcome CJ. Thanks for having me. Excited to have you. So let's go ahead and get started. Can you share with us a little background on yourself and how you got to where you are today? Yes. <laughs> um, I have been teaching, I'll start here, been teaching Pilates for um, over 10 years now. And back during that time as a student, so right before I got certified, I was using it as a stress reliever. So a lot of people, um, you know, might use yoga or meditation or other things. And for me, Pilates was always this moving meditation. So for several years, I was like that religious, had to have my Pilates practice. And it was the only thing I could do to get rid of my to-do list. Um, And at the time, I was working in a very stressful job. Um, I feel like a lot of people might say that too, so I can relate. Um, And it was my outlet. So... I was working in um, Okinawa, Japan at the time when I really like dove back into my practice. I was working for a nonprofit and going through like kind of a a hard time in my life and Pilates was like my savior. Um, When I moved back to the U.S., I was working in branding, agency, marketing, um, and sort of stayed in that realm, Uh, moved into an e-commerce versus in-person brand and Moved up to the Bay Area after a few years, started working in tech, um, and all along the way, I'm a Pilates instructor as like a hobby, right? It's like my my good, feel-good thing. And I woke up, I don't know, seven years ago and decided, how can I um, do this full-time? I was working in tech as a consultant, making good money, but it didn't like fulfill what I wanted. So I started just slowly becoming a full-time Pilates instructor. And like all people, I feel like you have this like the greener pasture <laughs> type of situation. Um, for me, I, I figured out that I really did well when I had both my business and consulting um, growth mindset moving forward um, and pairing that with uh, Pilates. And so about, I don't know, four years ago, I kind of went backwards a little bit and decided no more full time. I'm going to be part time <laughs> again. Um, and, and that has worked out really well for me, um, both with the clients I'm able to serve that I love working with, um, on both my business consultancy side and, um, otherwise. And during all this time, I know I'm like kind of going back and forth here. Um, I met Kayleen at a Pilates conference because that's how Pilates teachers generally meet each other, either on Instagram or at a Pilates conference. And she had her um, tech maintenance. So she did like reformer uh, maintenance. And I remember meeting her and going, oh, there's more to this girl than meets the eye. And we just kind of like ran in similar circles. And a couple years ago, recently, COVID, who knows what time it is now, um, Kayleen asked me, hey, can you 
do some brand consulting for me. I've got this company that I'm trying to start up. And so that's where she and I really connected, um, like where I thrive, right, um, in the building of brands section of my life. And we just started doing small projects together. I rebuilt the first website that they did so that we could, you know, kick off Wexia and became a, a co-founder. I remember it very vividly, her <laughs> asking me. <laughs> I think I, I might have cried a little bit and also was jumping for joy on the inside because um, I was so excited to be part of this new venture and this new phase for Pilates. I've always believed that there's more than meets the eye. Like we weren't measuring anything in Pilates and there has to be a way for us to do these things. Um, and push the industry forward. So that's how I've come to be where I am sitting right now today. Um, I'm technically the chief customer officer. That's a whole big title to hold. Um, and I, I, you know, improve our customer journey from the moment they hear about us to nurturing them so that they're constantly happy customers. And um, yeah, I, I love this job. I love this company. Oh my gosh, your journey has so many unique points to it that I definitely want to touch on. Um, you know, one of the points that you touched on early on was actually your pathway into health and wellness. You had a traditionally corporate corporate professional career mm-hmm. and we're experiencing, correct me if I'm wrong too, but you were just experiencing more of this inner desire to be able to take control of your own health and, yep. and leveraging health and wellness is not only to just be that outlet to be, really be a sounding board and be a, a kind of like mechanism for you to continue on your wellness journey. So I think that point is um, an interesting topic for today too, because among amidst the many different things that the pandemic has done for us, I think it also has given this sense of kind of stillness and pause and reflection for those um, that are perhaps may not necessarily be comfortable in their current employers or, or along those lines. So I think one of those really has to tie into that age old, you know, what is work-life balance kind of thing. And I'm curious in your perspective then, are there any specific types of methodologies or practices that you've instilled in yourself to hopefully maintain more of this balanced approach between work, home, well-being? Okay, so if I'm going to be really honest about work-life balance, I want to start with the fact that um, I really, really want it. And I do, I do things that both sabotage me <laughs> and fulfill it at the same time. So I don't want to lie and say, I have this magic way of having work-life balance. I have these rituals that definitely help with it. Um, and in startup land, oh man, there was, I mean, I'm still in it, but there was not any work-life balance. Um, and I have, I have to be honest about that. Uh, I've been better when I was working for a startup a few years ago. I remember my partner coming to me and saying, I don't like who you are right now because I was working like 80 hours a week or more. Um, was checking my phone at like five, six in the morning, midnight, like all the time. And that was sort of this, I mean, this was maybe five or six years ago. Um, and thank goodness for him <laughs> telling me the truth 
it was a good wake up call. I was already burnt out. I was beyond burnt out. Um, and when this last summer we were going through tech stars, I started that pattern came back, right? Oh, I've got, in order to do this job, I've got to give every part of me to this role. And Flexia is not built on that. That is not our mission. Our mission is to bring wellness to the world. So us as founders, we like stepped back and we're like, wait a minute, we're not actually living this thing in the moment, right? We're not living this thing. And so we each um, have our own ways of doing this to like bring us back to balance. Um, mine is I have a morning ritual. I love my espresso. I love it with like hot, fresh almond milk that's been frothed and nothing gets in the way of this like ritual. Um, I also journal every morning, even if it's like quick something, couple sentences. And I have times blocked out on my calendar now um, that are like my zone. I don't know if everyone has, you know, I believe everyone has a zone of genius, these like witching hours of when they're most productive. And my creativity comes out at 10.30 to 11 a.m. Pacific time. So I know for like an hour and a half from like 10 to 11.30 or 11 to, you know, 12, I've got this like magic time. And for the last, you know, 18 months, I have not blocked out that time for myself because I've just been like implementing and implementing and we're getting this business off the ground. And I can't tell you the sigh of relief when we realized we have money now and we can hire team members. And the first thing I did was rebalance my life. I sent a note to the whole team. Hey, I'm blocking out this time on my calendar. Um, you know, I, I'll be flexible here. Obviously, it's not a, a gold standard, can never touch it. But at least three days out of the week, I have this very specific time on my calendar that's blocked out. And in terms of being in balance in the business, that has been amazing. The other thing that has been balancing for me is I don't take work calls after five o'clock unless there's a fire going off. Um, this has kept my balance in my partnership where I can come home. And yeah, I might need to do something really fast, but then I close the laptop. Um, and over the last, I would say, maybe four or five months, four months, if I'm being generous, um, I've been sticking to that. And it has 100% changed um, my happiness level. I love this work even when it gets hard <laughs> and really hard um, but I've got to love myself and have time to love myself um, and have time to love on my family and if I'm not doing those things and I'm not living and breathing this wellness that we're trying to bring into the world so that's sort of you know the honesty around balance um, I think everyone else has got their own I wish I could travel right now I'm a little nervous still with COVID, so um, that will definitely be my next, my next like big ticket item that I do, because um, also balance pre-COVID for me was like, I'm going to be off grid for two weeks. You can't find me if there's an emergency, like my phone's off. Um, I'm off camping in a place with no internet cell service or whatever, and I can just like literally ground myself 
um, into the earth. <laughs> and I haven't really been able to do that a lot uh, the last few years. So I'm really excited about doing that this year and having all that time, extra time. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. And absolutely completely aligned with everything that you're speaking to as well. I think Balance definitely has a different definition for everybody, but the important note here is that you've got to actively pursue it. You have to find what that definition definition is for you. And a few interesting points that called out to me is, one, a healthy founder is a healthy business. And it's important that you're not just speaking to your team, right? Letting them know that, hey, team members, you've got to be able to instill work-life balance in yourself. You're instilling it from yourself, right? You're, you're implementing it from the top down, for lack of better words. I also do not necessarily like that term too, because <laughs> it takes some more of like this hierarchy. But um, it's important yes. that the team sees that the leaders and self and the organization are also practicing what they preach too, especially considering the fact too that you are in a health and wellness business. So you're really taking a look at this from all angles. Is that right? Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, I hate the top down <laughs> definition. I just say, if you're trying to get somebody else to do what you say, model it, right? Mm -hmm. So if we're not modeling this behavior, why would anyone else opt in or it's very shallow, right? I'm telling people right. to take time off and yet I'm never taking time off. That's at odds with what we're trying to get people to do in the team. Then exactly. no one's going to do that. They're going to think, oh, that's just company culture. They say one thing, they do another. And it's like, no, uh, this company has been founded on transparency and taking care of ourselves. And that, might, like to your point, that might look different for every single person. So Mm -hmm. uh, that's an open conversation, especially as uh, like our founding team um, always is having, right? Mm -hmm. Like you always have to be, and not questioning yourself, but going back to why did we do this? Why are we here? What matters most to me? Because if we're not here and we're not healthy, it doesn't matter. Completely, completely agree. So on those, along those lines then, because you kind of talked about it and I, I want to learn a little bit more. Along the lines of the journey of being the founder, right? Being a co-founder, you have now witnessed a wealth of experiences, right? I know that there's still a lot more to come, but there's a lot that has happened until now. And most notably, um, Flexia was also selected to participate in the Techstars Sports Accelerator. Congratulations, by the way. Such an incredible, incredible feat. Of course. Can you share some important takeaways from this experience? Yes. Um, don't sell yourself short is the first thing I would say. Um, I remember having these conversations with Kayleen and David. What should we do? What should we do? Um, and... The Sports Accelerator is, well, Techstars as a whole is really fascinating because they have these little micro groups, right? One that focuses on one type of company and another that focuses on sports and very different than YC um, currently as it stands. And I thought, wow, that's really unique. Um, the thing that we, that I would say surprised, surprised me um, was our ability to really expand our network in the sports tech space. Because, because each of these accelerators is so hyper-focused, um, that networking 
was beyond what I could have imagined. Um, and I just want to acknowledge Jordan and Andrew, who are our two program directors. Um, they held our hands <laughs> throughout the whole summer. So it's like a three-month-long program. Um, Kayleen, our founder, and David, my fellow co-founder, we all moved and lived in an apartment together inside of Indianapolis. We're all in our mid-30s. I would say we're set in our ways <laughs> to some degree, um, and we just decided to move in together. Um, and Techstar sort of provided that experience, obviously not the apartment, but the experience for us to spend three months together and in our business, not just remotely, you know, we had the most amazing conversations as all I'll say, like living room series of, I wish we had recorded all of these things. Um, but we would sit on the couch and just talk for hours about what do we really believe this company to be um, and sort of questioning assumptions. And Techstars provided, provided the structure for us to have those things um, and then meet, meet some of the most amazing people who are now our mentors and advisors. Um, Argata, for instance, went through the Techstars Boats program before us. And so we were able to lean on a little bit of their lessons learned too um, which we wouldn't have been able to do um, with another accelerator program. So I highly suggest if anyone is, especially in the, the sports um, space or wellness space, if you are considering, you should apply because um, it was such a uh, wonderful and nurturing environment. We all still connect. Like our cohort is like always messaging with each other because we genuinely care so <laughs> about each other's success. But it's also wonderful because as a – as a co founder, I've never been a founder necessarily. I've owned my own business, but very different. Um, having other people that you can relate to and bounce ideas off of, especially in like the wider um, Techstars network, is really priceless. Mm. Always knowing that you have like people you can talk to or, or who've been in your shoes maybe currently or have been in the future or, uh, you know, in the past and makes you feel less alone <laughs> for sure. Yeah, because you're, you know, you're nailing it, right? The entrepreneurial journey, the founder journey can be quite challenging. And it's important that we are networking and learning from each other's mistakes so we don't have to repeat them. But that's, that's, that's amazing. The, the experience that you've had with Techstars, I've honestly also heard all, all positive things about the, the entire program in itself. So it's fantastic to hear that you also had the same experience. But I'm um, shifting gears a little bit too, because I definitely want to delve into your role, your experience, your, your expertise. Um, honestly, and thinking about more of like this broader opportunity, right? It could be a tribute to the pandemic. It could just be a, a shift in customer behavior, right? The at-home digital fitness marketplace is set to reach $60 billion by 2024. There's a lot of different interesting opportunities, especially nowadays when it comes to the, the digital health, digital fitness market. Can you talk about your perspective on the future of digital health and the relation to connected devices? Yes, this is so, this is like my, my mecca of love. I just love talking about this. Um, you're, to your point, there are, a lot of people are rushing into this space. And I would say there's a lot of skeptics out there around, did the pandemic create this space? The pandemic didn't create this space. Um, the pandemic helped boost it, I would say, in its quickness, but it was already growing. 
um, and at a pretty rapid pace because people wanted something different that they weren't getting either in person or you know what whatever they were already doing they might have been virtual maybe not in the same context but doing online classes or something like that I truly believe that the future of digital health is flexible and I don't mean that as a play on words because we're called flexia I mean customization people being able to have the ability to go in person and also be at home and this has been a key component of our of the foundation of flexia since the beginning so while i think there's a lot of um, companies out there that are hyper focused on at home still the pandemic and you know we're, we're noticing different shifts in the market right now um, Users want flexibility. They want to be able to work out when they want to work out. And if their schedule changes, they don't want to be docked for a cancellation fee or should something else happen in the world, maybe that gym membership regularly isn't what they need. They need something flexible. Um, for us, it's about enabling both of those things to coexist. That's what I think the future is. Um, I want to circle back a little bit to the user journey. Some people want to be connected, some people don't, right? Uh, we experience this already. Some people love their Apple Watch. Some people, they want to close their rings because of the gamification. And others are like, oh gosh, I don't need to know that I haven't breathed all day, <laughs> right? Don't need to be reminded about those things. And so they choose not to wear some kind of wearable or being connected. To me, it's can we use, this is the question I'm always asking, can we use technology to create, foster, and maintain connection, not to a device, but within ourselves? So back to that, why did I do Pilates in the first place? I was able to disconnect from the outside world and connect internally, right? So our tech, we're not focused, I and mean, we can do this, so I want to be clear. We can track load and reps, but it's, we're not focused on that, right? Like Our focus is on how to use the technology to connect people to their bodies. And that, to me, is the future of digital health. That's it. People can come and go as they feel like it. And the reward or the feeling afterwards is I feel more connected to my body because I opened up and used this product or this avenue or, you know, whatever it was. And that's, I honestly think that that is not something that is being really um, done in connected fitness. We talk about connected fitness as a device. <laughs> um and it's not the same as connecting inside. Oh my gosh. This is so refreshing hearing this finally. Um, my goodness. I'm going to have to use that one phrase that you just spoke to because it just really resonated with me about how connected fitness, connected fitness device market, connected health industry, whatever you decide to call it, it's not connecting to data or, or the business. It's connecting humans. And if 
we really want to be able to succeed in the marketplace. If we really actually want to create that that uh, kind of like increase in allowing and empowering humans to become healthier versions of themselves, we have to provide them with the resources to create that connection for themselves and then also create that connection with others around them. And I think that's a big play on community, the gamifying process, you know, all these different little pieces come into place, ultimately, hopefully to be able to fund up to the main mission of providing incremental value, meaningful value to the consumer. So along those lines, um, you know, you touched on more of like the gamified experience, right? And disconnecting devices. So that way you can capture health data. And there's a lot of like pros. There's also cons. There's some, uh, is there some, some considerations I'd like to say when it comes to that concept. And I think overall, though, one positive outcome to it is that technology, especially wearables, connected devices, whatever we would decide to call them, they've empowered consumers now to get more access to their health data. So thinking about the experience, right, the human connection that you're speaking to that connected fitness can provide, how do you and the Flexia team think about providing this type of information? Perhaps any means of gamifying the experience? This is a great question. A lot of connected fitness um or even, you know, gyms for that matter, have reward systems. And a lot of those reward systems are based off of, I took 50 classes or 100 classes, and you get this little badge. And what does that really do? Is that meaningful feedback? Is that going to make a change in their life? That's what I'm always asking of Flexia, right? What are we really doing here? Yes, we're gamifying, but it's from an educational standpoint in order to create change in someone's life, not necessarily accumulating badges for the sake of accumulating badges, which often feels um, disingenuous. Uh, Let's say you end up getting a bunch of badges, but now you're not feeling great because you have an overuse injury. Great job getting that badge, but Is the technology support telling you, hey, we've noticed that you've done 50 classes in two weeks and maybe you want to cross-train differently or we might suggest a different class? Um, You know, here at Flexi, that's what we are doing. We're actually going, "What what is a good measurable goal that someone is after and how can we help them complete it? Pilates is this really unique opportunity of of measuring other things so we have this mind-body connection i might get in trouble by saying it's similar to yoga (laughs) Um, but really it's about just connecting to your body right when i say mind-body connection i don't mean i mean getting rid of the to-do list for a second how can i connect within myself how do we gamify that how do we measure that we're not measuring that just by loads and reps measuring that by looking at could we tell you to do something and can you control it how well did you control it right so we're talking about paying attention we might even inquire what do you notice right our teachers what do you notice when you're in this movement how does it feel to you and so some of this is the technology right giving that feedback to the user some of it is our content production being a teacher of 10 years, each of our other teachers has been teaching for 10 years, and we know instinctually how to create this change. Machine learning and the artificial intelligence in our technology is in a constant state of learning now, going, 
was that good? Was that not good? And not like, did they control it enough, right? Was the movement controlled enough? It was, did that feedback that we give to that person actually create meaningful change? And if it didn't, why are we doing it? Right, that's the question we've got to ask ourselves. So yes, of course there's gonna be badges for like how many classes that you did because that just feels good. You're like, yes, I did so many classes. But at the end of the day, a lot of our gamification is going back to this movement quality score. Can you keep the carriage still while you're in a hip bridge without letting your feet slide out from underneath you? And at the end of the class, you might be like, heck yeah, my control score just went up a certain amount, right? And that control is being in your body. Otherwise, if you're not paying attention and you're on a Pilates machine, that reformer will just <laughs> slide around on you. <laughs> so you have to be in it. You have to be in it. And this is sort of a way of not only measuring those things, but allowing people the grace to not be perfect. You're not just improving the score to just improve the score. It's how can I now take that type of mind-body connection out into life off of the machine? Mm, there's a lot of power here. You know, technology has such a powerful means to be able to help humans, right, if leveraged correctly. And a couple things that I'm taking away from this too is I feel like there's two elements that you're speaking to. One is going to be how technology can support from the content and programming side. And then the other part behind it is kind of, you're kind of really talking about the human connection too, about how there are some things that technology cannot replace, right? Um, so I'm sure that there's a really significant talent recruitment, talent development process behind this. I definitely want to dive into this. You know, thinking about how the wellness industry has evolved, right? The game has truly elevated, especially over the past few years alone. And what makes a differentiator in health and wellness, among many others, is going to be the talent and the content that's being delivered, which you just kind of spoke to. So what is most important to you in the talent recruitment and development process with trainers? Uh, a firm understanding that nothing is perfect. That's where it starts. It starts with... Um, knowing that every single time you film, you're probably going to mess up. And instead of refilming it, can we, I don't want to say laugh it off, but how can we move through, right? If I give the wrong cue and I'm laying on my back and I say legs out and my arms go up, right? If I laugh at myself and then say, that's not what I meant, you know, do this other thing and then sort of brush it off more or less, that creates a really unique opportunity to connect with your community. It also means that these fitness instructors, and of course this applies to Flexia, but I believe this across the board, that your fitness teachers, your instructors, are not perfect human beings. They're not, they're not a very specific body type. They're not a specific weight. They're not a specific skin color, right? It's that, we meet you where you are, and you can just be who you are. And our teachers embody that when they teach. And I think that when we were looking for our first two founding, so our founding instructor team, Michelle and Kelsey, that's what I was looking for with them. 
I thought, well, first of all, I need someone who knows Pilates inside and out, right? Very experienced. I feel like that's a prereq, obviously. <laughs> and how, how you foster connection across the screen is a very different skill set than fostering it person to person in person. So that was the next level of like, okay, so check. Okay, I need a really great Pilates instructor. But have they taught online before or are they open to learning how to, how to teach online before? Do they have that special something? Um, I'll name drop for a second. Cassie of Fight Camp. Uh, she's their like head of talent. Um, and she said something to me in a meeting, which was, I always look for their Zaza Zoo. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that's genius, right? Like, it is an open casting call, 100%. So not only do they have to have that extra check mark of, yes, I know what I'm doing. Yes, I know how to teach. But what's this special personality trait that only this instructor has that makes that unicorn status, right? There's a lot of instructors out there. I'm one of them. I'm not great in front of the camera. It's not where I thrive. But you put a camera on Michelle or Kelsey and they just light up. It's as if their personality is just lit, right? They're not changing who they are. Those girls went those women, when they're on camera, that is who they are. They're not pretending to be anyone else. And I think that when you are recruiting, you know, your first couple teachers, you don't really know if they have that special something until you meet them. Um, so that, like, constant interview process, <laughs> more or less, um, having off-the-cuff life conversations that have nothing to do with the actual work. Um, is key. And then in the constant, like, what do you do after you hire them, <laughs> right? The development process. I could talk for hours about that. Um, one, make sure they have access to whatever equipment it is that you're using. Give them the tools that they need to become better teachers. And that means different things for every teacher. You cannot just throw each of them in a box and assume that they're all going to learn the same way um, and progress at the same speed because we all learn differently. And at the end of the day, they're artists, they're movement artists, and they're teachers. So giving them the space to command the room and feel confident in their teaching voice, not, not um, thinking that we want something else, that has been a development process since you know, maybe May of last year. And every time we've recorded since, each one of them has stepped up that much more into who they are and embodying, like, the full version of who they are as a woman. And it is amazing to see now on camera um, and amazing for our clients because now they see the difference, you know. Those early days, everyone's nervous. And uh, sometimes it's just practice, just practice and, like, knowing that you know I don't know if I can curse on this, that you know your stuff. <laughs> um, and uh, there's a lot of back and forth, lots of meetings, practicing, all that kind of stuff. But one thing we do is we also workshop. So when we're on set, 
um, before we actually film, we do a quick workshop, me and them. Okay, let's review this really fast. Let's go through, you know, what were you thinking? Do you have any last minute questions? And then we just hit go. And they're all one take. And they're phenomenal because you get to hear the like real shake. Let's be real. No one doing some of these fitness classes where they're like, and five, four. And they're just like talking like normal. But now with the camera setup that we've got going on, I can definitely see both of our teachers gloriously dying on camera, right? As their voice starts to wiggle and then everyone's like, oh, they're actually working out. <laughs> so going back to that word authenticity, right? People want to know that that instructor just did five push-up planks on a moving platform. Of course, they're sweating. That's not fake. That's not glistened on. Like <laughs> That's real. So, you know, our, our product is for, for, for I would say, everybody. Um, but our, our teachers are unique, um, and they, they want people to feel welcome and know that it's real, right? Like the sweat dripping off of them is real. The shake in their voice is real. They're sore after class or, you know, feeling Zen depending all of that is authentic. None of that is staged. And that's the beauty of having great instructors. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong too, but it sounds like this was truly instilled from the very beginning of recruiting, right? Because one of the most important parts that you just mentioned uh, when it comes to scouting talent is that you invite them to be their real authentic self. And yes, the hard skills are fantastic. They definitely require a lot of work and effort. However, to make a meaningful connection, a meaningful impact, you have to have the soft skills and that's stuff that people can't teach you. It needs to be things that you are willing to pursue for yourself and you're willing to develop for yourself. Um, and that's ultimately what's going to create that really perfect balance, it seems like, that you have instilled now within your own instructors. Is that right? Yes. Yes. That I can't speak more highly of who they are and I didn't teach them any of that, right? It was opening up a space for them to feel confident that they could be that person, mm -hmm. the same person that they are when they're at home cooking in their kitchen, probably dancing around, right? Like I know these girls really well. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, thinking along those yeah. lines then too, because I, I want to go through the other side of things, right? The programming side, because the content that is being delivered is also equally as important. So can you share about how, Flexia, your own personal perspectives on how content can act as that bridge to create deeper rooted connections, especially in the digital fitness age? There are a lot of questions around um, Pilates and what's right and what's wrong. This is like deep rooted stuff. Um, one of our core values here at Flexia is we, and this is firm, we don't teach fear-based movement. And that's instilled in our programming. We're inviting people to move. We're not telling them they have to do something or they're going to get injured. Um, our teachers teach from, from that space of what do you notice rather than saying you need to feel this, this, and this. Because, again, if we're trying to develop connection in the body, a lot of that comes down to the language that we're using to communicate with our clients. Sometimes you just need that booty class, right? That's like counting down from 10. <laughs> There's not a lot going on because you're suffering because you're just sore already 10 minutes in. I've taught classes like that. We've got them on the platform. 
But when we talk about truly making that connection, we might say, you might notice globally, like your abs are working right now. <laughs> or you might notice that my leg is super long. If you've got long legs, this is going to feel like a lot more work than if you've got shorter legs simply because of you know, something. And I think inviting inquiry into the language that we're using with um, teaching is really what creates change. And that's, I mean, our teachers are supported by the technology, not the other way around, right? Like technology is not doing that programming necessarily, right? It's supporting the teachers in that programming. Um, yeah. I... I'm curious if you have a follow-up question to that. <laughs> no, it, it definitely makes sense. You know, something that I've always been fond of when it comes to how we take a look at technology is that, you know, in the sports world, because that's actually that's a, the best use case that I've got currently is, you know, we can't use technology as a means to create the content for our players, right? We can't use it as a means to be able yep. to drive the human interaction because a human needs to be able to drive the human interaction. However, if we can leverage technology as a means to help coaches become better coaches, help instructors become better instructors, now that is the way that we're able to create those authentic connections with those customers, which really seems like the overall theme for what you've been building. Is that right? Yes, spot on. And, you know, in our case, it's a massive research project, mm -hmm. right? How do we know, uh, to your point, how do we know that that teacher is getting better at teaching if we're not getting feedback from the client? Exactly. How do mm -hmm. we actually know? And that's a lot of one-to-one -one interviews unless you've got technology supporting and reading what's going on in the background. And obviously, we need to have buy-in from people doing that. Uh, we should be using tech for good, not for bad. Um, and that's, that's digital health right there, right? How, to your point, how can I leverage this to create meaningful change in my clients? Mm. As a teacher, that's always been a, a forethought for me. You walk into a class and... You look at your teacher, you look at your students that have been working out with you in a group performer class and you point to so-and-so and you say, we're going to use a medium spring setting today. Well, that means different things to different people. Or you might say, hey, you're going to put three springs on, but you're going to put two springs on and you're going to put, a, you know, like everybody in there has a different level that they're coming from. And can't do that remotely in a group session unless you have technology that can help support that. That is part of our technology is being able to go, we might suggest, you know, our teachers know better. They're going to say, we suggest you use this type of resistance. Um, if you need more support or less support, you're going to change your springs. But what if a new user, right, someone new to Pilates or, or who just doesn't remember or the movement's new, how do they know? what to do mm. halfway through the movement they're still trying to figure out what their what their resistance should be or they give it a try and they're like this is a joke right this isn't enough spring or this is not enough spring and so our technology comes in reads what's going on oh my gosh there's like a lot of noise going on in the background can we quiet it down well we might suggest a spring then to change that so 
we're, we're actually digitizing the teacher's brain in this. And that's how the tech is supporting in the background. Um, and then our, right, and then we look at that data. Okay, how are we actually affecting change? Did that actually work? Did it not work? And then we go back to our teachers in terms of the development process and we go, hey, this is what we noticed. And we just iterate and we iterate and we iterate so that the technology is supporting our programming, content is supporting the technology, right? And it's this really cohesive ecosystem working together. My goodness. You know, what's interesting about this is that, well, yes, of course, the customer is always going to be at the forefront, but I never really thought about what if we let the technology have the instructor at the forefront, have the teacher at the forefront? Because at the end of the day, the customer's experience is solely relied on the experience that the instructor or the trainer is able to provide them. My goodness, I feel like I just had like an entire epiphany right now. Is that is that right? <laughs> yes. Yes. That's how I see it. <laughs> wow. My goodness. Um, that's But that's what we're doing, right? Mm-hmm. I think... Uh, some people, I'm making a huge judgment call here that I think a lot of people might imagine that connected fitness as a whole is um, removing teachers, right? Mm-hmm. Or is taking jobs away from teachers. I'm sitting over here going, Mm-mm. right? Like, how can we create human connection without them? Some people might not want an instructor. That's fine. There's platforms out there for them. Um, but, or they buy a product and they don't, they don't use the, the class necessarily, or they mute the person, fine. Um, but knowing that having a teacher guide us through a program and we all resonate, you probably still remember like an elementary school teacher that you just loved, right? You can like picture them in your head because they affected so much amazing change on you that's how I look at fitness instructors. You find the right one and you'll commit. And then we're sad when they move, right? Like, <laughs> let's say they move and then we're like, no, I've got to find another instructor. Help me. Who do I trust? Right? You look to that instructor and you go, who can I trust now? It's like this really sacred relationship that we have with our clients. And so one of the cool, I mean, one of the cool features that we have on our platform is we start noticing if you're taking classes with a particular instructor liking their classes. We've got some ways of knowing how to do that. Knowing if you felt better after their class, another thing that we measure. Um, And then we start recommending more of their classes to you. So it's not that we're saying, you know, maybe you like a really high energy instructor. That's just who you love. Well, then this instructor is going to be fabulous for you. Maybe after six weeks, we notice you've never tried another (laughs) instructor before. And we say, Hey, just introducing someone else that we think we, that we think you might like. Give it a try, right? Here's their teaching methodology. Just try one class. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it's the technology, right? I mean, we're setting all of these algorithms up, but feeding those recommendations to people so that they can find something that they love, but also when is the right opportunity to say, "Hey, do you want to try something new?" Mm-hmm. or exp- or expand, right? And that's where you start to build that trust. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we've all got our favorite teachers. Oh, Always. absolutely. I definitely <laughs> do as well. And you know, we covered a lot of really fascinating things here between one, the overarching thing is like, how can we leverage technology as a means to be able to create authentic, meaningful connections? The power of the instructor, right? The power of the instructor, mm-hmm. the trainer, whatever we decide to call them. Um, 
and how irreplaceable they are because ultimately if we want to create human interactions we need to be leveraging real humans authentic humans so final question for you then if you could give advice to a young woman that is designed to be a future entrepreneur or executive what would you share with them i think it would be twofold um I read this somewhere recently and it really resonated with my just methodology of how I live life. And um, it was something along the lines of like, know the data, but trust your gut. And you're going to get a lot of no's, (laughs) a lot of no's. Or, and maybe this is actually the best advice. It's not the no's that are the bad things or the yeses that are the bad things. It's about trusting yourself. If you can't trust yourself, how do you know it's the right decision? And over the years, um, learning to hone my intuition without ignoring data. So I'm going to be clear here. Really doing that allows me to look at data too and know that I'm making the right decision or not. It also allows me to read a room pretty quickly. And I got told a lot to change who I was when I was younger to fit into a particular mold. And I listened because I was young. And then I woke up when I turned, I don't know, 30. (laughs) And it has been awesome. I have so much hope for this like younger generation that they're not as indoctrinated into who they have to be. They're just being who they are. And if I really, I mean, That advice would be just trust your intuition, research, and know that failure is not a bad thing. Failure is just an opportunity to learn, and it's hard as a perfectionist, uh, recovering perfectionist, uh, that that's not what it is, right? Like, failure is not a bad thing. It's just an opportunity to go, oh, that didn't work. And then, you know, not attaching your self-worth to that word failure. And I'll say, you know, over the last like two or three years, I've um, engaged a, I don't even know what to call him, but a leadership coach, (laughs) executive coaching. Um, You know, find, find who resonates with you. It sort of just kind of happened. He's a mentor of mine. And the type of leader I've always wanted to be is who I'm becoming now because I have a resource in him to share the hard things and work through those things. Also got a therapist, get one of those. (laughs) Uh, I feel like those are like not talked about a lot uh, in terms of like entrepreneurship, like get someone that you can talk to that doesn't know the situation (laughs) so that they can help you become a better person and and work through your stuff. your stuff will show up in your business if you don't work on it. So that's a lot of random advice. So, you know, use, use what resonates with you, throw the rest away. <laughs> you know, the- that's also probably <laughs> that in a nutshell. <laughs> you know, if I could try to put it in a nutshell, I think all of those actually really do lend a perspective of one another because reflecting back, kind of going full circle, right? The human interaction, the human connection, it's all one and the same when you're thinking about seeking a mentor, seeking, seeking a resource, seeking a therapist. 
we have to we have to find those right humans and put them in our circle and keep them there for as long as we can so thank you cj for your time and as mentioned make sure to check out flexia the connected fitness company that brings the pilates studio experience into your living room looking to hear more what's happening in the health wellness and sports industry subscribe to this podcast and we'll catch you next time on the drift